sorry it's been a couple days. I've been, uh, if you can't hear it right now, I'm really nasally. About five days ago, I came down with a pretty um, nasty cold. It hit me pretty quick. And I ended up, um, what was it? I think it was like Monday night. I ended up uh, spending Tuesday. I didn't take down my camp. So it's unusual for me to not tear down my camp. And then, um, so by the time Tuesday night came, I ended up, uh, I was kicking back outside of my tent, trying to actually get some air. And I don't know if I mentioned this. Pretty sure it happened about this time frame and everything. But I had uh, three guys that had snuck up behind the tent and I didn't know what was going on with them and everything. So I ended up taking out my little poker stick. It's, uh, it's about a four foot long spear. And I, again, I've, I've come so close to just basically taking people's lives out here. It's ridiculous. And the fact is, it's getting to be a regular basis. Uh, I've got the thoughts going through my head, and it's just not healthy. But uh, these three guys, they come up, and they sneak up behind the tent a little bit, and I just think they're trying to get an idea of who's up here and everything. Um, in hindsight, I think they're, they didn't mean anything threatening by it, but it certainly appeared threatening from my perspective. And uh, they ended up kicking back on maybe about 25, 30 feet away towards the freeway, um, in between me and the freeway, and there's really nothing up there, you know, it, so it's just, it's kind of weird that they ended up doing this, and they end up breaking out with a joint and smoking it, and one of them walks over to me, and he offers me it, and I'm just like, no, not interested. He is uh, he makes a comment along the lines, "Don't you don't tell you guys to smoke out?" And I was just like, "No, I don't want any. Thank you very much." And he ended up walking away. So after about 15 minutes, uh, I mean, I've got my little spear thing. You know, I'm using it as a makeshift crutch and everything. Even though I don't need need a crutch, I just I'm using it as as such to basically make it so where I've got it right there. And I think they could tell I was feeling a little threatened and territorial at that point. So after about 15 minutes of them doing this, they ended up taking off. And, uh, I mean, the whole time I'm feeling like shit. You know, I mean, this this cold really has just has knocked the, the crap out of me. Not just physically, but it's almost like PTSD. It's just psychologically hit me so hard and everything. So I dragged in on Wednesday... To, uh, to Starbucks, and I looked in my pocket, and I, I have some money saved for a rainy day, and sure enough, I look, and it's foggy all morning on Wednesday, and it's supposed to rain all night Wednesday night and all night Thursday night, so I had somebody watch my stuff at noon, walked down to Universal Inn, which is a local two-star hotel I stayed at last time, and uh, booked a room, sixty or eighty dollars a night for two nights, hundred and sixty dollars, and there went what little money I've got, right sailing out that door, so I can nurse this cold back to health as as much as I possibly could over the period of two days and avoid the rain and everything. But uh, about two two and a half hours after walking down there and making cash payment on the place. My mom ends up uh, sending a message, and my dad had been in the hospital since Thanksgiving. Uh, he had a 
blood clot and his growing. And I've just, uh, I mean, I don't like addressing anything that constitutes death and disease and the potential threat to my family members or anything like this. So I ended up, um, we ended up having a brief conversation and this is one of the first times, especially with this cold, that I'm just like going, okay, you know, I think I'm going to ask if I can go, go back and live with them. So, she's asked me nearly uh, a dozen times prior to this point, and um, was hoping that the offer would still be open, and I explained what happened the night before, and I'm just like, I wasn't in any state, and I was making poor judgment, and I, I, I think it's just a matter of time until I take somebody's life at this point, and I'm being sincere, you know, I've mentioned it quite a few times to other people, and it's just, this is fucking ridiculous, you know, I mean, I've got a rock in one hand, I've got a, a, a sharpened spear in another, you know, and I'm just waiting for somebody to, you know, to make it look like they're a threat to me out here, and this isn't what I want, you know, psychologically, it's just not a, go a good state to be in and everything, and I recognize this, you know, but I don't know how to change the situation, you know, I mean, I've had people that have, you know, tried getting in my tent in the middle of the night, I've had somebody slice the side of my tent while I'm asleep, or while I'm literally, you know, just waking up, and all of a sudden somebody slices it, um, more than once I've had people trying to get in and everything, I've had um, somebody start a fire literally two feet away from my tent and everything, um, smoke billowing in, um, I've had people, you know, screaming next to me more times than I can count, you know, getting into shit, I've had, uh, more than once, I've had knives, knives pulled on me, and knife, and people threatening me with knives, and I'm just at the point where it's just like, you know, if I have to teach people a lesson, you know, and start, start systematically taking these guys out and everything, that's what I'm gonna do. You know, and that, that's unfortunate, you know, that my mind was starting to get to that point, that point and everything. And I realized how hazardous this is to my psychological well-being. So, I was going to ask my mom, you know, can I, uh, can I move back and everything? You know, it's just, this isn't healthy for me. You know, I'm, nobody should ac actually have to be pushed to this point. And, uh, fortunately, once I explained what happened the night before, and I said it really wasn't anything, it was just... I'm just, you know, anxious, I'm, I'm sick, and I'm defensive right now, and I, I, at this point, I'm weak, and, you know, I've got three guys that are, that are staring at me, that look ghetto, look like thugs, and look like they could jump me at any moment, and all I'm thinking is, how is it I'm going to take them out, you know, if, if they do this, if one just happens to come at me the wrong way, you know, I mean, they could just be kids out smoking weed, and just having a good time, I don't fucking know. You know, but if they make the wrong move, it's just like, you know, it's all of a sudden, it goes from kids smoking weed to, you know, to being something a lot, lot worse very quickly because I don't know how to handle things out here. So, anyways, um, I told my mom this, and I'm just like, it's kind of confessional. It's just, I'm, I'm tired. I'm sick of this. I'm sick of, you know, not of not feeling like I, I can actually properly nurse myself back to health and everything, particularly when I'm overcoming a cold, where I might need some a little extra sleep and a humidifier and just some of the creature comforts of standard living, you know, that the vast majority of this world, you know, call normal. And uh, so I ended up telling her. And uh, she ended up, um, you know, very quickly just turned around and says, you need to move back. 
You know, I, I didn't even have to prompt, ha have to ask her for anything. It's almost like, you know, she was just waiting for the opportunity. And, and as she explained, from her perspective, she needs help with my father. You know, so um, she looked at my situation. She's offered it, you know, literally a dozen times. And I, I'll be the first to say, you know, that pride has probably been getting in my way, you know, about to me saying no to them. I mean, I love my family, you know, but when it comes down to it, um, it's just, it's a f sense of there's something wrong when I can't survive on my own. You know, I feel like I've, I've failed myself. I feel like I've failed um, society. I feel like I've failed uh, the education, you know, Thunderbird, pursuing a Thunderbird education, obtaining an MBA. I feel like I've failed my fellow students because I don't have that. Um, I, I don't have the capability to find a way back into society and, you know, contribute. I, you know, I'm doing air quotes productively and everything. Um, I feel like I'm... I'm I feel like I'm a failure, and, and I've never felt like this in my life. I'm, I mean, with how much education, experience, and all this other shit I have, it's just like, I'm playing a game called Magic and Hearthstone, and, you know, a, a guy comes over, you know, the day that uh, I'm, um, I'm playing, or I'm, you know, I'm, I'd just gotten done going, going and getting a hotel room. And he sees this big, huge defeat message, you know, across the screen. And he's just like, what's that? He goes, I never see defeat on your screen. I see vic victory. I said, oh, you don't watch enough. You know, you don't... I mean, for every time I win, I, I'm losing five times in order to achieve that win. My win ratio is only about 15 to 20%, you know? But the fact of the matter is I... I keep at it, and that's actually how I rise up through the ranks, is despite the fact that I end up, you know, having that low of a win ratio, you know, so, it's just like, I just have never seen it, I said, well, you're just not watching enough, man, so, in any case, um, all this was just hitting me, and combined with the cold, and then all of a sudden the rain, and it's just like, fuck, I'm done, I'm, you know, pull the plug, so, Anyways, um, long story short, I'm booking a bus ticket. My mom's uh, wiring me the money, and uh, there uh, it's going to be coming in tomorrow. So I'm going to go down to the uh, Greyhound Depot. I had another friend, a couple friends actually offer to uh, fly me back up to Portland, and I was just. Um, it's just the whole stress of having to deal with a a one-stop or a two-stop layover and actually trying to get my luggage, which is oversized and weirdly shaped to begin with, uh, on board of a plane. And I and having to go through six to seven hours worth of flights and everything, because, I mean, the offer didn't include a non-stop, which are con considerably more expensive than a, uh, a one-stop or a two-stop. It would, would have been inconvenient for my mom and dad, you know, so more than inconvenient. The flights don't arrive until 12 o'clock, you know, um, some 12 o'clock in the, in the evening, and I can't get an early flight because I can't, simply can't wake up that early, you know, so can't get a ride down there that early and everything, so it's just, uh, the whole thing was just not, not functioning well, so I just, uh, I just told my mom, just, you know, she offered for the, uh, for the bus fare, plane fare, and I said, well, you know, the bus is pretty easy. Um, it's a 24-hour, 25-hour bus ride with multiple stops on it. But 
you know, I've I've gone through much, much longer than that, you know, throughout Latin America and everything, so it gives me the opportunity to just basically chill and relax and readjust and reacclimate myself to, you know, to a lifestyle I've, I've missed, and it's a transition, and not only that, but um, it also gives me the opportunity to do a little thinking along the way and, and not have to worry about the luggage and how am I going to fit all this shit in there and everything. So, it's not like I want to take half this stuff anyways, but, you know, truth of the matter is, it's just, uh, I actually have some other stuff that my friends John and Nancy have too, that they have a couple computers and the uh, computer monitor they've been storing for me for a couple years, so... They've been pretty awesome friends and everything, so... Anyways, long story short, I'm booking, getting a ticket on, uh, on Sunday. Gonna go do my laundry, and the bus depot's literally right down the street from the place I, get, I do my laundry on a regular basis. So I'll hop the rail for one last time, or, yeah, one last time, and go down there, get the, uh... Is this recording? Sorry. I'm going to be really pissed if it's not. No, it is. <coughs> um, so I'm going to hop the rail, take the metro down there, and go do my laundry. Last time. I don't want to smell ripe on the on the bus. And uh, just uh, throw my things and pay for the $15 uh, plus 115 for the or $15 for the extra checked luggage and 115 or so for the uh, bus ticket and in 24 hours from 12 o'clock on on Monday I'll find myself uh, on Tuesday rolling into uh, to Portland at about midday so it's um it's been a journey without hesitation I mean, I originally took off for Tijuana back in, what was it, 2000, April 2013. So I left, uh, took a flight from Portland to San Diego, took a bus over to, or no, the uh, the little rail that they have over to the border. Jumped across the border to Tijuana and went from Tijuana and uh, found a bus from there. I had $463 for a trip that I didn't know how long it was going to last and I just wanted to go I wanted to go tour as much of uh, Latin and or South Amer- uh, Central America and South America as I possibly could. So by the time I ended up getting down to it was basically Pueblo, um, that's when I ran out of my money, $463 and I ended up selling some things there, giving away some shit and everything to get another part of the extension for the bus ticket, but at that point, that's when I ended up uh, hitching a ride and more or less spending the rest of the journey, the rest of the next uh, 11 months touring Central America without any money and and learning about the graciousness of, of people and charity for the first time in my life from a recipient perspective. And something that... Um, I'd always been pretty good about giving, but had never really been good about getting. You know, I was always enthused about Christmas time, about what people thought thought I wanted and everything for Christmas. And sometimes I would get angry when they would mess up or something like that. And I realized that I was kind of a spoiled dick before all this started. But now it's just, um, after all that, just like I got back a year later and I've been here in Los Angeles ever since. And that was... 
May of 2014. So it's been, yeah, four and a half years that I've been up here. 14, 15, 16, wait a second, 15, 16, 17, 18, yeah. Let's do the math here. I'm having a hard time with the math right now. 15, 16, 17, 18. So yeah, four and a half years. I had to do use my fingers on that one. Oh, I tell you how fucked up I am in the head right now because it's damn cold. So, on Monday I'll be taking off. And uh, I've already posted on Facebook that I'm leaving. And I've also I've had quite a few people that have uh, come down already. And you know what? I, I used to say bad things about Los Angeles and Hollywood. Like it's a wonderful place to be from and that kind of stuff. And I've learned that there's something here. Now... What I do think needs to change, absolutely, is the state of the homeless, the homeless problem here. You know, and uh, I'm not talking about people like me. You know, people like me, it's a different story. Where, I mean, I, I feel like I come in and I'm, I'm coming in inspired, trying to find inspiration and everything. You know, and, uh, and, and really also find a, a reason, you know, I mean, whether or not that's, a, that's to break into the movie industry, or that's to um, find creative juju, you know, energy and that kind of stuff, um, or it's to write a film, or whatever, you know, I've, I've found my inspiration, you know, it's that video game, and I started that video game about three weeks ago, and I know that's what I'm going to be working on when I go up to Portland, and that's really going to be, you know, the thing that's going to take, take me and just keep keep continuing me, you know, and, and basically it's going to provide my doorway out of having to depend on my parents when, it's not like I, I don't want to depend on my parents, but they're at a point in their life where the kids really, I mean, I don't know, I, I really can't, I've realized I can't think from their perspective at this point, because I've realized the older I've got, the more that I've wanted people around, you know, so... It's really hard for me to actually understand and and see what it is they can possibly think and and uh, so as a result, when my mom offered it, I was just like going, "Look, you know, don't don't question, you know, the words and everything. She's sincere, so just accept it at face value." That's what I thought to myself, and I don't even have to think. I didn't. It's the first time in my life that I'm just like, I'm just not gonna, I'm not gonna, you know, not gonna drag this out. You know, it's it's what I wanted. It's you know, it's what I needed right now, and not only that, but I've also got, uh, you know, something that's motivated. I found my creative energy, and I found, I found a project, you know, that I wanted to work on. Now, it isn't quite what I anticipated, you know, I, I thought I'd come here and maybe get break into the movie industry, and maybe make a hit movie or something like that, but more and more I started writing, you know, e even on my blog and everything. The more and more I started realizing, it's like these podcasts, my thoughts don't don't think in a linear ma manner. You know, it's it's not conducive. Tra translating my thoughts and ideas to a single script or something like that. Now, sure, I can actually tell people, you know, about the things that I've gone through in my life and everything. And if somebody ever wants to translate this into a movie and everything, well, I mean... I'm not going to sign away my the rights to my my story and everything, you know. Um, it is my story ultimately, you know. But 
if you want to if you want um, the rights to write about it to tell parts of the story and everything without actually holy shit I'm seeing a uh, massive raccoon he's uh, crawling out of the uh Wow, he's huge. He just crawled out of the uh, drain. There's a, uh, over on the other side of the metro, there's a big, huge drain. And uh, he just uh, came in from the sewer, is what it looked like. That thing's huge. No, it's not a rat, I'm sure of that. Uh, just look for him to come over on my side. It's the last thing I need to do is get in a fight with a raccoon. Um... You know, but, um, I mean, here's actually, I, I did think when I initially came here that, you know, I'd either get some, into acting or I'd get into filmmaking or something like that. And the more that I've actually started paying attention to the people that do these things, the more I absolutely respect what they do, whether or not it's an actor or it's a, it's a film writer or it's a producer or a director or all these things. Um... But the more I've realized, I don't think like them. And I don't want to either. You know, I know that sounds weird, but... And I'm not saying they all think the same, but I'm saying that in a general sense, you know, you... It's like, um, it's like a person that owns a business. You know, if you're not... I mean, there's definitely different breeds and different, different types of people that own businesses and everything, and I've seen it all. You know, but uh, in a general sense, um, there's one of the things I found in common for people that actually own businesses is faith in in an unknown market to perform in a known manner. Let me repeat that. I mean, this is something that was really profound to me. It's hold on a second. Here he comes. He just topped the fence. He's a little productive. I think I've seen one of these guys doing this before. A little family of them. He is running across the lawn, so he's not coming this way. But the one thing, yeah, so um, back when I was doing my business plan and everything with my uh, partners, one of the things that, uh, that they asked me to do was do the numbers. You know, they, they thought that I was good with the, because I was good with analytics, they thought that I'd be good with the financials. You know, and I myself, I mean, I've always been good with financial um, stuff, but when it comes down to um, actually assessing unknown markets, that's been a different story altogether. I'm, I'm decidedly not good at it. Now I know what I like, and I know, um, I know how to predict what I'm going to personally buy and and where I'm personally going to go and what I'm personally going to do. In a general sense, don't get me wrong, you know. But when it comes down to predicting markets, uh, it, it hasn't been until probably the last three years that I've actually understood uh, how much belief actually accounts for the ability to be able to create and inspire markets. You know, with whatever it is that your your whatever it, you know your product or your service and everything. Well, you know, when it comes down to it, I think that there's a certain mindset that goes with somebody that's a uh, that's basically an actor. There's a certain type of mindset for somebody that 
Uh, and I'm talking about somebody that tends to be a good actor. Now, sure, there's different variations of acting, you know, but uh, in a general sense, it takes a certain mindset and, you know, for a person to actually be an actor. It takes a certain mindset for an accountant. It takes a certain mindset for a lawyer. You know, it takes a certain particular mindset for, um, for a stay-at-home mom. You know, it takes a certain, and you get the trend here. And this is actually something I've realized was, um, with so many different writers that I've been exposed to, and, and so many different attempts to actually sit down and lock down on one single script. I mean, I've got five different scripts that I've actually started up here. The one thing that I keep realizing is, I've got too many different stories to tell. You know, um, and training my mind on one isn't easy. I've got to find a different way to be able to do this. And, you know, I mean, it, it had been staring me in the face the entire time, you know, through video games. You know, my thing is I've just never really taken my skills, you know, in the corporate world with corporate programming and everything and applied, um, uh, applied that combined with my own creativity. And just because I've never really been what I consider a highly creative person. And after watching and listening and talking to so many people that have been around me and everything, the one thing that I've consistently realized was creativity itself um, isn't a gift for most people. It's not something most people are actually endowed with from birth. It's actually something most people have to work on repetitively. Hard, too. They develop their style. You know, it's like me with programming. I spent years programming. You know, and I, I developed my style. I developed my tool set. I developed um, my preferences. You know, uh, I developed my capability to be able to pick up any language. And within a matter of five minutes, I could take a brand new language that I've never seen before and whip out a Hello World application with it. Maybe even less time than that for most of them. You know, it isn't that hard, you know, for me with, with uh, languages, you know, without actually having somebody show me how to do it. So, and I think that's the thing is, you know, you work hard enough on anything. It, it trains your brain and trains your mind in such a way to make it so where you're used to, to doing these things in such a tremendous fashion that uh, it just basically makes it secondhand nature. So anyways, where I'm going with this is... Uh, Part of the reason I'm leaving is, isn't just because I'm sick and tired of being sick and tired. You know, it's not just because I, I continuously and regularly think about murdering somebody. Um, it's not because I've finally swallowed my pride. It, it comes down to just basically understanding that the tools and technologies, when it comes down to the creative side of my develop my, my personal development are all available to me. I just need to start sitting down with them on a regular basis and creating things and being okay with it not being perfect from the from the from the get-go. Understanding that, you know, when I do chipset tunes and listen to the Leisure Suit Larry soundtrack and everything, you know, um, I found a, a tool called Deflamask. Deflamask. D-E-F-L-E-M-A-S-K. And uh, what it does is it, um, it, it leverages the 8-bit 
uh, PCM, I think is what they call it or something like that. Um, pulse code modulation. Um, maybe I'm not even saying any of this right. Like I said, I'm still learning this shit. And uh, it, so I can actually leverage the same same sounds and same instruments that are used on the Commodore, um, the old Atari uh, Atari computers, um, also the old uh, arcade systems, Sega Genesis, uh, Nintendo, all that kind of stuff. And that's actually Leisure Suit Larry has a similar sound to all that. So I'm going to use the arcade um, instruments. And I already came up with, uh, with a couple sounds, you know, one for keystroke entry uh, problems. And I thought at first, I'm, I thought, you know, that I'm going to, uh, I'm just going to go leverage uh, stock uh, sounds and everything from the internet, just basically pulled down sounds that other people have made. And I'm realizing I just don't want to get into IP, IP issues, intellectual property issues, you know, so... I just, uh, the only intellectual property issue I could potentially have was one of look and feel because I'm so closely adhering to the look and feel of the user interface for the, le for the original Leisure Suit Larry because I'm paying homage to it, but I've mitigated that issue already by sending a message to Al Lowe, he's the creator of uh, Leisure Suit Larry. And uh, literally within six hours' time, the guy ends up uh, messaging me back. And, you know, I'd let him know. It's just like, you know, what the project is. And I'm, I'm paying homage to what he's doing and everything with his project. And, or what he did with Leisure Suit Larry and the whole suite of things. And I'm, I'm targeting women, you know, with what I'm doing. You know, my goal is to, you know, to make it so where, you know, I want to tell a funny story, you know, from, uh, fe for females. Or at least featuring the female perspective and some of the shit that females go through, you know, that, uh, that men may not have any fucking clue that uh, they go through. And, you know, I told them the whole story and that, you know, how it's going to be leveraging the look and feel, you know, of the original Leisure Suit Larry that came out, the whole um, XT uh, computer based uh, program and everything that, was, uh, that worked in DOS alone. Except for I'm going to be creating it in Windows and on a C-sharp environment. And uh, I'm just basically, it's going to be text-based and everything is going to be, you know, with the exception of all the creative content, you know, the look and feel is going to be the same. And that is protected, you know, by <coughs> my, my, what I'm doing is allowed by, by the Microsoft versus Apple uh, lawsuit. Microsoft successfully, if you're not familiar with it, um, Mike, uh, Apple sued Microsoft for leveraging the look and feel, and Microsoft actually won that one in court, uh, and it ended up going to the Supreme Court, where basically a judge said you can't, uh, you cannot, um, if somebody's uh, leveraging, you know, has their own creative content, and has a completely different, or has the same look and feel, you know, the user interface itself is not something you can copyright. You know, it's not an intellectual property violation. Well, that one was pursued and pursued and pursued, but that also blazes the path for me to be able to create a game that that feels like Leisure Suit Larry. The text input and everything is like Leisure Suit Larry, but um, it's all original content. So, like I said, I mailed, um, I emailed LO, and I said, look, you know, my work is, uh, is protected, but um, I'm homeless. I explained my situation. I explained what I'm creating. And um, I'd, 
regardless, because of the fact that your, your work has been so important to me in my life, I will send this out, you know, um, freeware. You know, if, uh, if you have anything against me uh, monetizing this. But, uh, but because of, you know, my situation, I'm hoping to monetize it. Um, do you have any issue with that? And he, he sends back a wonderful message that basically said, I fully support, uh, support what you're doing, and I wish you luck on it. It was wonderful. It was a wonderful little message. You know, but here's the thing for me. Um, I'm going to be doing the 8-bit uh, graphics type stuff and everything. I'm going to be doing all the code work for it. Um, I'm going to be doing the sounds for it and the music. You know, and for me, it's just like, I've, with the exception of high school, I really haven't done music before. I really haven't done um, music and art since, literally, you know, grade school and high school. So for me to visit, revisit this, it's just like, wow. You know, so I don't know where I'm going to start with uh, with the the graphical type stuff. I'm just working on the sounds right now and playing with Defla Mask, and I'm also creating the whole. There's a uh, hundred questions that uh, that Laser Suit Larry has. I've actually uh, just checked them all out and just basically I'm paying attention to the look and feel and more or less modernizing it, putting my own spin to the questions and. Um, I'm not taking any of the existing questions. I'm just basically taking the overall tone and uh, focusing more on um, updated mechanics. You know, so in in the original Leisure Suit Larry, it asks five questions uh, that uh, to prove that you're 21 in order to get into the game. <coughs> and uh, the the pool that you choose out of is, or that the uh, computer program chooses out of, is a hundred different questions. And the questions are, you know, they can be anything. Um, typically, they're historically based questions. There's some ones that are clearly biased in there by the developer. So I'm doing the same thing, you know, and I'm just going to have some fun with it. I'm, I'm going to be a, uh, a lot more perverted than, uh, than Al Lowe was. Um, Al Lowe has gotten lambasted in media, you know, for doing sleeves and everything. And the way I look at it is... Um, I'm, I'm not interested in doing sleeves, but I'm, I'm interested in basically making it so where people will, will quit, uh, putting him in the firing range, you know, and more or less say, hey, you know, he's inspired a lot of programmers, particularly people like me, you know, and, uh, not only that, but we need to take the opportunity to start writing programs for the fucking women that are in this world, you know, if we don't, uh, we're gonna have some problems, in my opinion, so, in any case, um, ugh. I don't. I can't work. I say we're gonna have problems or anything like that. But I was just. I was happy that uh, he was supportive of it. But that's a thing. I mean, it's taken four years, a little bit more than four years, to actually find a project that I can get behind. You know, and it's it's mine. You know. Um. I mean, I'm gonna own the entire thing. You know, from ship to stern. From what is it? Stem to stern. I don't know boat terms anyway, so maybe one day I'll go buy a yacht just so I can actually learn boat terms. But I've never really... I mean, with the exception of a, a shareware program I, I made called Graffiti back in... I mean, I've made other shareware since then, but nothing as much effort as, uh, as I did that original Graffiti I made in, with Visual Basic. And uh, sent that... <coughs> I had somebody from... New Zealand send me a check for that one uh, for to pay for the shareware and I hadn't finished the 
the full paid version by that point and everything. So I I never cashed that check. You know, I never sent uh, sent them the updated version or anything like that. And I was always so proud, you know, to learn that uh, somebody actually enjoyed my work and everything half a world, or, yeah, half a world away. But, this thing is, it's different. So, in any case, it's, it gives me something to do when I go back up to my parents' house. Um, I'm going to be helping out with the cooking, which I actually do miss, and, uh, my dad has to eat a healthy diet and everything to keep his cholesterol low, and I'm I'm just gonna bas- basically be there and probably sleep on the couch at first, and just um, more or less having a warmer place to actually rest my head, and you know, just basically have a different environment and everything than what I'm used to, which I, I desperately need. But here's the thing. I've been thinking today, and I had this, what I consider to be a love-hate relationship for Los Angeles and everything prior to now, and I've realized in the time that I've been here, you know, particularly when I had some people that were coming up to me and saying goodbye, I never really had that. You know, even with my old friends and everything, you know, when I fell off the deep end when it came down to the drugs and that kind of stuff, every single one of them left me behind, you know, um, they didn't make any attempt to actually, um, contact me, um, to, to basically try to help me, you know, to oversee, you know, and ever since then, ever since I've actually gotten cured of my addiction and everything, it's just, um, it's the type of thing that I, I've realized that while I loved my friendships that I had, those friendships were, were not quite the friendships that, that I, I thought they were, and, Maybe that's what all this is a part of. Is just basically starting to realize that I don't need to be wealthy, you know, um, or to show outright that I'm wealthy and prove myself to others in order for somebody to be a friend. But let's say I do get wealthy or something like that. I think one thing I'll definitely do that I've done pretty well in the past and everything. You know, a lot of people did know how much money, or knew that I had money, um, but they didn't know how much. You know, so, and a good for instance is me and Joe and Amy. Um, I remember walking through a, a casino with uh, Joe and Amy one time, and we were at the Bellagio, and I, I was feeling really kind of like less than frugal with my money and everything. And uh, I, I had been drinking. We had all been drinking and everything. And, and unfortunately, whenever I start drinking, I tend, I tend to become a lot more careless about my financial situation and everything. And uh, what I ended up doing was just walking up to a table. And I ended up you know, taking $100 out and throwing it on the table and, and basically saying, put that on number nine on the roulette. And at that point, you know, it didn't come up, and I walk away from there, and Joe and Amy are right behind me, I take a thousand dollars out, I put it on the blackjack table, and, you know, I didn't win on that, and I kept walking, within a short period of time, I I probably spent about twenty five hundred dollars, and it was the type of thing that I, I, the next day, I looked at, I looked at myself in the mirror, and I realized that these two, were they came from a relatively um, lower uh, lower income than, than I was from and everything, and 
it was the type of thing that I started realizing I just didn't like myself for what I did in front of them and everything. And I think that was, that might have been, uh, I mean, it was a whole series of different things that were happening that were actually making me really question who I was and why I was doing what I was doing and everything. This is about in 2000 and, about 2006 I think is what it was. Now, at the point I was only making maybe 45, it was about 45 an hour, you know, so that's about $90,000 a year. And uh, I had about $2 million in the bank at that point in personal assets. And it was the type of thing that for me, it was like, I mean, I go up to Vegas once every three months and, you know, I mentally, you know, just lo analyzed it and basically said, you know, I mean, for me, it wasn't a big deal. $2,500 for a, a weekend, uh, you know, a weekend away with some friends and everything. It really wasn't that big a deal. There's another weekend that I ended up going up uh, up with a couple other guys that I I ended up blowing ten grand. You know, that uh, it was just one of those things that I ended up going up with Spencer and a couple other guys. And this other guy, he was, he was his... Uh, he owned a, a couple clubs and everything, and me and him, we ended up partying all night, and we ended up bringing some strippers back to our place and paid them, paid these strippers, you know, those three strippers, paid them two grand to, to basically end up spending the night with us and everything. And Spencer, it's just like, it was the same thing with him. I, I didn't, it's not that I didn't feel like I, I didn't respect myself, but I just, I felt like I needed to, if I was going to do things like this, I have to start portraying myself differently, you know, to the people I care about, you know, and take the time, you know, to honor the image that I portrayed myself as without violating their, their concepts of who I am. So, in that case with Spencer and the other case with Joe and Amy, it's just like, you know, I mean, to them, I was a guy that was making, you know, 40 to 45 an hour, which wasn't a whole lot of money. I mean, it was a lot, it was definitely more than they were making, you know, so I could afford to take them out for a deal, a uh, meal, you know, but drop $2,500 when I'm drunk, you know, that, that's not something that, you know, doesn't make you a whole, I mean, it's starting to make, make it seems a little bit more far-fetched, that's what I'm saying. And 10 grand with Spencer, you know, that was just like, I mean, his buddy ended up, uh, you know, telling about the, uh, we kicked him out of the room, and we, me and the other guy, we bought him, a, we got him a, a separate room, you know, just so we can have the, the three strippers in our place. It was just one of those things that it's just like, I, I, you know, the one thing I've realized is I've gotten older, and the whole mistake that I made with my previous set of friends was the whole concept and idea of me with drugs and everything, it wasn't bad. It was exploration, I was enjoying myself, and what, what truly they didn't know shouldn't have hurt them. I should have, in hindsight, just basically learned a little bit better self-control, and that was the problem. This is the first addiction I've ever really had, and uh, I didn't know how to manage it, nor did I have the proper resources in order to be able to achieve this. You know, so... But, you know, I'm looking at, at things differently now. I've got a wonderful, um, a, what I consider is a very different set of friends that I've created here. And I'm realizing that, um, that I've portrayed myself in a way that I can be authentic with who I am.
but I'm also realizing that there's a certain value, you know, to me being one thing to a certain set of people, me being something to a d different set of people, without actually having to be two separate people. It's like the intersite. You know, when I worked there, for years I, I fought with myself on the, on the whole thing. You know, um, I, I think I, I had more of a difficult time keeping a secret from the women that I would date, and particularly Kenna was one of the most difficult ones I'd ever had, you know, um, of wanting to tell her. You know, I adored the girl, and it's just like me with the late nights and everything. You know, I mean, uh, if I was going to be confronted with things, I would first uh, I would first respond with, you know, if they caught on to the drugs or everything, that it was drugs. I wouldn't... Had I not gone through what I'd gone through, I probably still to this day would never have admitted that, you know, that the, uh, that I worked for the NSA. But I realize that there's some people that just need to talk about uh, some of the past and everything in order to basically move on and become a part of a, a different future. So, all I'm saying is, as I posted a message this morning, um, I had spent the last two nights in the hotel room. <coughs> and, uh, in, and just to, let me make things clear. This, this isn't the Ritz. It's a two-star hotel, and it deserves every star it has. It is not a good place. Um, I've been to one-star places, and one-star places over in places like Ballet are ghetto as fuck. Um, they don't have locks on their doors. Uh, it's... You're, you're going to be it's going to be questionable whether or not you can actually have any of your stuff that's safe there um, we're a two star here's what you get what you get is when the rain starts it starts dripping and I'm not talking a couple drips I'm talking about oh maybe about a full couple gallons of fucking water so I ended up having to push the bed into the corner and everything you know, because the water woke me up literally dripping right on me and everything. I'm just like going... It started raining about 1 o'clock in the morning on Wednesday night, Thursday morning, when I first uh, first got there. So fortunately, I still managed to stay roughly dry um, after pushing the bed into the corner and everything. And, um, I mean, the first thing I noticed was there's graffiti on the walls, on the inside. You know, so I'm just like, I'm actually at this point... Literally, what I'm, thi I'm thinking when I'm laying there, watching a uh, house go with a clock in its walls, I'm thinking about getting a, uh, going downstairs and asking for a paint can so I can actually fix the, uh, fix the walls. You know, it's like, hey, you know, you guys have uh, let me stay here without a credit card or, you know, with cash only and, you know, lackadaisical idea or IDs and everything, so... You know, I was going to do them a favor and everything, but I'm glad I did because that one o'clock uh, shower in the uh, in the middle of the room, and then this morning I wake up and um, I'm I'm primed and pumped and ready to get myself a hot shower on, and I turn it on, and it's cold water, and it stays fucking cold. And I got it on for 15 minutes. I got it on for a half an hour. I turn it off. I'm thinking, okay, maybe everybody else in the complex has used it, and maybe if I wait and just, you know, lay naked in bed and everything, 
and just keep myself warm in there and uh, turn on the heat a little bit and just enjoy the, the warmth of the uh, room and everything. Give it 45 minutes to an hour and come back and take a hot shower. No, that didn't happen. It's fucking cold. So, anyways, um, it was like, eh. So, on the way out, I ended up telling them about all the problems and... It, I mean, it was kind of funny because it's it's like India, Indian, India owned and operated, and uh, it's look. I'm not I'm not complaining about the place. I'm explaining the experience, and the experience. If you're looking to go to places for the experience, you want a phenomenal experience where you're probably going to meet a celebrity. Go to Four Seasons. Um, you want to, uh, oh, let's say you want to just basically go to a place where it's consistent and always clean and you know what you're going to get when you walk into the room and everything, um, go to a three star and a three star is going to be a motel six or something like that. Those are consistently three star hotels and they're very much worth it, you know, so, um, they've done a great job with their name in my opinion you know as far as their name brands concerned and and maintaining consistency between all the different uh, franchisees that they have um, if you're looking for a four-star you know Weston certainly good um, Hilton's decent Sheridan um, I've had some problems with in the past and everything so Sheridan I actually but Sheridan was I'll, I'll say this Sheridan was great about listening to my complaint and actually responded to me from a customer service oriented perspective so they ended up giving me some free rooms as a result of my complaints and everything so um, and, I, and I have stayed in some nice Sheridans too so and uh, the Marriott is also it's a wonderful four star type place and everything so Weston they try to you know try to actually they're they're th they're at the four star as well. Um, my my opinion, the only five star that I've ever really stayed that's been the Four Seasons. <coughs> so, and even then, some of the um, some of the three and four stars they um, have VIP areas and uh, suites and and uh, they they cater to those that actually come into those places like it's a five star. So I've had some wonderful experiences, particularly in hotels in Las Vegas, staying at some five stars when I stay in the suites and everything. Rio, that's one example. Um, another example is the Mirage Hotel and casinos, the entire suite. Um, MGM does a phenomenal job. Most of the hotels on the Strip, particularly the, the bigger ones and everything, they've done a phenomenal fucking job. I've never stayed in a Bellagio, but I've heard good things about it. And the same thing, I have stayed in the Venetian. Venetian does a pretty good job, too. But... In, in a sense, basically, you'd get what you pay for, and in this case, in this case, for a place that uh, rooms typically start out $130 a night, I paid $80 a night cash, and um, I got what I paid for, and uh, I, instead of getting angry about the whole situation, I'm just like, you know, it's an experience, and it's not about this whole saying, life's a journey, not the destination. No, it's a fucking destination. I'm going to correct you right now on that one. It's a fucking destination. You know, the journey itself is part of uh, part of the effort of getting there, but uh, sometimes that effort could be, could be too fucking much. You know, for me, it is about getting to that destination, just enjoying yourself once you're there. So, in any case, um, I, it did, oddly enough, because I had... All I wanted was to be indoors in in a heated room, um, 
and away from the shit that I've had to deal with and everything out here and camping and everything on a regular basis. I just wanted to reprieve from it. Um, I want a way to transition and mentally and psychologically and physically just basically release and kick the cold a little bit. So, first night I ended up going out to, uh, to Mexican food. I always crave spicy food whenever I've got a cold. So, and uh, Mexican or hot wings. Something that uh, particularly, especially if it's a bad cold or something like that, I've, I've been known to get the hottest fucking wings I possibly can and promptly throw them up and feel very good about myself. It's not that I'm trying to binge and purge and everything. It's just that I'm just fucking weird. I mean, I've just... There's something in spice that does it for me. So, it was kind of funny when I was down in uh, Mexico over in uh, Oaxaca. A couple of was about 2013, 2014, right through there. Um, I was heading south, and I had gotten a, a nasty cold. Um, it was just uh, started getting it in Pueblo. And I was incapacitated and everything uh, for the first two days. And I actually had, I was actually to the point of being delirious. And I, I set up my, my camp um, on this, uh, by, uh, right near an underpass. And, uh, I woke up and I had all these bulls and cows and loud noises going on around me. And, uh, all of a sudden I hear, Gringo! 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 I'm just like, what the fuck? So, and it's, it's dark. And I see lights that are shining on my tent. And, uh, I look out and there's three trucks that are, or not uh, trucks, that are ATVs, really, 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 really nice ATVs, the $10,000 ones, um, each with two guys wearing bandit masks and shot, and carrying shotguns, and I look up through the tent, and I'm just like going, I don't fucking care, I mean, I'm, I'm delirious at that point. And they could see it. I mean, I'm sweating in this. And it's cold down there, you know, at this, uh, this point of year when I was down there. It was about April, I think, as well. It, was, it wasn't that cold. It was cooler than normal. So it was up in the high... In the, uh, somewhere between Pueblo to Oaxaca, somewhere in there. So, anyway, so they ended up, uh, you know, shouting gringo a couple times. I opened up the, the door... I look out, and uh, all of a sudden, you know, they're just like, they ask me in Spanish, are you okay? And I'm just like, no, no, it's uh, muy malo. You know, I explain that I'm really, it, it, soy enferma, which means I'm very sick, I'm sick, uh, or I, soy muy enferma. Um, I'm very sick, and uh, just, uh, it's, you know, I want, I want to sleep, is what I tell them. And they're just like, uh, you know, uh, do you have anything to eat or drink? You know, and they said they knew that I had been there for uh, for a little bit more than a day, and um, that they the last time they had gone by that they I didn't make any noise, and I'm just like, no, I I looked and I I literally I had nothing, and uh, they they said, do you want something to drink? So one of them walks over, he gives me this big huge uh, liter and a half. Um, thing that he had been carrying with him. It was, it was like a cherry uh, water. It was really good. All that's all I remember. 
and he goes, you, you can have that, and I, I drink half of it right there, right in front of him, I'm just, I'm just, I'm so dehydrated by this point, my temperature was probably up to about 103 by this point, and, uh, I knew I was really in bad shape and everything, and, uh, one of them drives away at this point, and the other one, uh, comes up to me, and he goes, um, he goes, you need hospital. And I said, no, 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 tengo dinero. no, I don't have any money. And he goes, so he sighs. And he goes, okay. He goes, me and my friend will be back. So they end up taking off. And he comes back about uh, half an hour later. And he's got a bag full of stuff. Uh, he's got chips in there, um, chips and salsa. And I'm just like, oh, this fucker knows, you know that a man who's sick needs chips and fucking salsa. And he's got chips and salsa in there. He's got uh, another one of those uh, cherry waters. He also got a, he has a normal one. And he also has a Coca-Cola in there, too. Um, he also has, like, two sandwiches in there and a thing of cheese and then a thing of meat. You know, the guy must have spent probably about 15, 20 bucks. And uh, he ended up walk, going over to the OXO. It's a OXXO um, store, which is a lot like a 7-Eleven or a, a Circle K and everything. And uh, he goes, um, he goes just, to, just to let you know, he goes, we take our bulls through here every day. And, and uh, the Roja on, on your tent, the red on your tent, uh, he goes, you need to set up your tent somewhere uh, a little bit uh, higher you know, so they don't charge your tent. He goes, you're lucky you haven't been trampled. And I'm just like going, holy shit. You know, I'm not, I'm still not feeling good. <coughs> so at, at this point, um, one of them ends up uh, help, or both of the guys end up uh, helping me move the tent and everything. We moved it up, uh, up the hill a little bit. And for the next, uh, next two nights, these guys ended up coming through on a regular basis and asked me how I am. Um, and they ended up coming back, uh, as like the day that I ended up leaving and they gave me another little gift back and everything with some, you know, some good stuff in it. And I kept myself, uh, filled and, you know, they also brought some medicine and everything too. And I'm just like going wild. And it was really one of those things that, I don't know why I'm telling that story, but it's just, um, it, it to me was one of the first forays into showing, you know, the, the status and how, how helpful people can be in unexpected ways and everything. So I leave Pueblo and, uh, oh, I'm going on. So I leave Pueblo and at this point I'm walking south from there and uh, hitchhiking and everything, walking more than I am hitchhiking. So I'm doing about 10 to 15 kilometers a day, um, a little bit less because a lot of it's uphill and everything. But when I get a little hill behind me, I get a little bit more, and I'm still recovering from this cold and everything. So my mileage isn't that great and everything. And uh, so Pueblo to Oaxaca, if I'm not mistaken, is still quite a ways, maybe about 600 or 700 miles. Um, all I know is it was over on the other side of Oaxaca <coughs> that uh, I ended up starting to get um, the, the whatever it was started coming back. And it, it started hitting me pretty bad. So I actually am kicking back um, in in Oaxaca at this point. And I'm in, in an underpass, and it's starting to drizzle out. And I'm just like, it's it's actually inside the city in an underpass. So I'm literally the only gringo there. 
And uh, there's nobody else that's homeless, by the way. Uh, that's one thing I really noticed in common about most of Mexico. Is, uh, there's no homeless down there. Um, there was towards the border, but uh, on, uh, on our side, um, about 100 miles away from the border. But uh, down south, no, there's fuck, fucking no homeless people. So, in any case, um, I ended up getting ill again at about 100, 101 degree temperature again. If, you know, I mean, that's, I'm tr- saying the temperature just because it's it how I felt. You know, how a 100, 100 degree temperature, how you feel versus 102 and 103. You're feeling delirious at 102 and 103. <coughs> so, <coughs> <coughs> sorry. Um, incidentally, this has been about 101, 102 for the first couple days. And now it's, uh, I've probably, I, I broke my fever last night. So I'm just congested and still feeling kind of shitty and everything today. So, in any case, um, down in Oaxaca, uh, I end up uh, having this um, family that walked by, and all of a sudden, uh, the little boy comes, you know, is like pointing at me, pointing at me. I'm just like going, oh, fuck, you know, am I getting in trouble and everything? And the man comes up, and all of a sudden, uh, uh, the little 13-year-old girl comes up, and she's just like, she says something, and I'm not understanding any of this for some reason. And uh, all of a sudden, the husband comes up, and he, and he goes, uh, you're American, right? Yeah. Um, my family wants to invite you back to our place. You look sick, and it looks like you need taken care of. And he speaks it in perfect English, and I'm just like going, wow. So I said, yeah, I'm really not feeling well. He goes... Uh, I work out fields, and uh, he goes, I make you dinner tonight. He goes, I have a place for you to stay. And I'm just like, okay. So I follow them back, and uh, they've got a, a three-level uh, three apartment that they've got in the central of the city and everything. And um, they put me on, basically, it's like a, a gated porch and everything. So I've got this big, huge, um, well, and, and also there's an interior room. And they put me, it's, it's basically, it's like a big, huge dining room area. And uh, that could fit maybe 20 people in it if they wanted to. I mean, it, it has a table that big in it. So I'm just like, wow. They've got uh, two two uh, religious altars that are down there too, so you can tell they're very religious and everything. And I end up. Um, they said, put your stuff here. Um, come up, come up with us and uh, join us in our kitchen. And the kitchen was in stark contrast to the rest of the place. And uh, they ended up, you know, w- went up to the kitchen. The kitchen was, you know, it was dingy. It was, you know, not made up or anything like that. And it was just the four of us, or five of us. So it was me, um, basically it was like an eight-year-old son, a 13-year-old daughter, the wife, and uh, the husband. And he's, uh, by day, he's a, a tequila or a uh, mezcal a farmer. And uh, he also uh, he has a, another plantation that he owns uh, for the ghost peppers. And he goes, first he goes, you chew on this. And he gives me a bag full of, uh, of ghost peppers. And I had heard about these things, but I didn't know what they looked like before then. And I, I kind of had a suspicion that's what they were and everything. So um, I, I popped all I know is I'm just like sitting there thinking I could take anything. And I popped, um, you know, he goes, pop pop it in your mouth and he goes this will help you with your cold so I popped it in my mouth and I'm 
I'm my mouth is on fucking fire. And you know what? I quit thinking about that cold. I mean, that was actually the beautiful thing about the about the ghost pepper was while it's so fucking hot, it also takes your mind off of off of the flu and off of feeling bad and everything just enough that it actually it, it, it derails that cold and everything. So anyways, um yeah, they ended up making me this uh, basically, it was very standard dish. It was uh, it was rice that they they made their own tortillas. Um, they had their meat and their beans, and uh, they had this big huge uh, lump of cheese on top and everything. And um, I broke broke the fever during breakfast or during lunch, dinner time. Um, my fever literally broke shortly after they ended up doing this. So I mean, it's not like I was feeling that bad, but I was definitely feeling really tired and everything. And um, yeah, we ended up chatting, and, uh, you know, he, um, the daughter wanted to practice her English on me and everything, so, you know, he was laughing, um, the, the wife was laughing, we were having a good old time and everything, and afterwards, um, you know, they had asked me what I, what I did for a living, I said, well, I spent years in computers, and at that point, uh, they ended up breaking out with a computer, and they said, well, can you get onto a uh, wireless, and, you know, we've got some problems with ours, will you help us? I'm just like, okay, you know, so after dinner, we went up to the roof, and we ended up establishing a wireless connection to one of the local areas that actually has a, they had Wi-Fi for the city and everything, and at that point, I ended up emailing my mom and dad, you know, let them know where I was at, and what was going on, and it was just, um, you know, I got their computer working pretty quick, and everything was good and everything, and I ended up um, sleeping at, uh, you know, went downstairs, and it was a f I was basically behind, uh, I was inside the, um, the lower interior of the, of the uh, it was chilly in there, I'll be the first to admit it, but it was in the dining room that they had, um, bottom floor, and it was, the nice thing about it was it was all guarded, and you know, there's all gates and all this other stuff, so I didn't have to worry about my shit getting taken or anything like that, and having to keep it around and everything, which is going to be nice, not having to worry about my stuff. I look forward to that. But the uh, ghost pepper thing, that was definitely just, um, man, I mean, I didn't taste dinner. We'll put it that way. I mean, dinner didn't come for another half hour. They literally made, handmade, the corn tortillas right there. You know, so they actually made some chips as well. <coughs> so they fancied themselves some pretty good cooks and everything. They were pretty good, but uh, he uh, let let me go, and he gave me a bag, just a small like glad bag of uh, of diced uh, ghost peppers. And he said, anytime you feel that flu come in, have one of these uh, ghost peppers, and this will uh, this will help you out. And I did. Um, I mean, I ended up. I'll tell you this. Um, a couple times because I had a, a cup, I had swallowed the things. I mean, the thing about ghost pepper is you're not supposed to swallow them. And uh, he had told me that. And for me, I'm just like, oh, I'm rock hard. I've got this, you know, iron stomach and all this other stuff and everything. Well, pff, yeah, right. You know, so I ended up, uh, I mean, I, I swallowed that one that night. And my stomach was certainly upset the rest of the night. But I just thought it was just because I was sick. And uh, for the next two nights, while I'm still overcoming the cold, um, I ended up chewing on the thing, and I ended up throwing up every time. But here's here's what I'm gonna say. I'm not a fan of throwing up, you know. But when it comes down to spicy food and sometimes the rejuvenating effect of getting whatever shit 
is going on in the stomach and everything out of the system um, it just it's rejuvenating to some degree you know it's not like something I enjoy doing you know but sometimes it's just uh, you just gotta get the shit out so anyways um, the ghost peppers definitely uh, showed me that in spades but I'd done that off and on over the years going to Long Wong's for Long Wong's is a place over in Tempe that has phenomenal wings. Um, I would get their nuclear wings, or I go to a native New Yorker over in Phoenix and Scottsdale area and get their super spicy wings, and or now Buffalo Wild Wings, which I'll certainly crave. What particular when I'm you know feeling a little bit ill or something like that, I'll crave some spicy food. That'll all crave a big fat huge greasy burger. There's nothing, nothing a little grease won't solve. That's the way I look at it. So, in any case, um, it, clearly I'm looking forward to getting back to the the normal, you know, daily. Just having the flexibility to be able to go to Buffalo Wild Wings on a regular basis, and you know, and also taking a hot bath. Um, sleeping in a place where I don't have to have, uh, don't have to have, you know, don't have to worry about somebody slicing up in the, the side of the tent or something like that, or dealing with this stuff on a base, on a regular basis. But going back to what I was saying about Los Angeles and Hollywood, I used to make the comment to people all the time, you know, that I'm I'm from Los Angeles or I'm from your Belinda. And it's a in Hollywood, or you know, this area is a wonderful place to be from, but I would never want to live there again. And I've overcome that, you know, um, especially having a lot of the friends come in today, like uh, John and Nancy. There's they're a wonderful couple that they've actually stored a couple of my computers that that uh, ended up once I upgraded past they these things had broken. They're still usable for with an external computer screen but for the most part they're still um yeah i mean they're just basically dead weight for me and they ended up offering to actually store them well they came by today they had heard you know that uh, i posted a message on facebook through somebody that we mutually know and they intentionally came by today in the middle of the day and they said well you know um you do know that you still have your stuff with us and everything i'm just like yeah and they said, well, well, we'll ship it for you. You know, it's just like if you're not going to have space. And I'm just like, I'm worried about space and Greyhound and having to check shit in and everything. And uh, I've already got enough stuff that I'm going to be carrying there anyway. So I'm just like, I'm worried. And I'm just sitting there thinking, uh, I don't want to toss the stuff. But, you know, that's my first inclination. And all of a sudden they offer to send it. You know, I'm just like, okay, well, you know, I'll send you some money when I get a little money rolling in. And I'll... Uh, you know, have you guys send it up to me and everything. They're still, you know, one of them's still a good computer, and the other one I can certainly salvage. You know, and the monitor itself I can certainly uh, use while I'm up there, too. <coughs> so, anyways, um, but, um, you know, between them, between the people that, uh, that I know that I've called friends that I've actually edited on Facebook as friends and everything is uh, at Starbucks to... Um, people that I know, Ralph's, that I, as a creature of habit, I go to these places on a ritualized basis, 
you know, so I'll go to Starbucks, you know, get there at 9 o'clock in the morning, and I'll leave at about 8 o'clock at night on a consistent basis. And at first, it um, it did feel like it, it was probably imposing on them. But uh, once they saw that I wasn't a threat and that I was actually trying to help support them, and I myself would keep an eye on things and watch out for thieves and basically, you know, I wasn't the same as these other ghetto homeless types and everything. Once they started understanding this, at this point I became a part of the fixture there. And uh, I enjoyed it. You know, they, they've, made it, they've made it clear, you know, that I'm welcome there. The manager, I know the manager by the first name. Um, she's offered me jobs at least three separate times. And I'm just like, it's no, no disrespect and everything, but... You know, the moment I get an income, that ask, that money will probably be seized, and I'll just be right back on the streets where I'm at right now. So, you know, for me, um, I'm probably doing you guys better, um, doing yourselves and, and probably myself better out here, you know, and just uh, as long as you don't mind me being here. And there's been a couple conversations we've had about my luggage, and she's actually tried assisting me trying to find places to put my luggage during the day and everything. You know, but uh, I make it a fact to actually keep my stuff clean. To, um, you know, I've I've been sensitive sensitive to the needs that they've had. You know, to basically making it so where I'm not carrying in bags that look like they're all shredded, that, um, you know, that are dirty as fuck, that smell or anything like that. I mean, the bags I have, it makes it look like I'm a traveler. I make it make it look like that intentionally. You know, it's a brand new, um, brand new uh, suitcase that. You know, it's it's a roller, you know, suitcase and everything, and a backpack. It's a it's a two hundred and fifty dollar, you know, gray gray backpack. It's a no joke. It's it's a hiker's backpack. So I've made it a fact to 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 not stick out to basically make it look like I am a regular customer. Um, I come in and I have a bagel every day, and uh, I'll have an iced tea and. Typically, I have people that are giving me gift certificates all the time and everything. And when I don't get get, get, get gift certificates, I'll take some of the cash benefits I get and I'll put that on a, a Starbucks card. And that's actually how I keep things fueled. So, you know, so I'm a, I'm a paying customer. And that's actually been how I've been doing things there. And they let me kick back all day, you know, for the paltry price of basically, you know, four bucks a day. And it's it's been a... You know, pretty much a win-win relationship. It's, that's been the nice part about it. Well, for me, it's been it's been really interesting just because I've gotten to see, you know, the difference between me versus some of these ghetto-ass motherfuckers, you know, thieving motherfuckers, which, honestly, I've never, I've never in my entire life hated things on such a consistent basis, people, on a, a, a segment of people on such a consistent basis, I have never in my life been able to fathom how somebody can hate somebody or hate a group of people on, on such a consistent basis. I have never fathomed how it was possible up until this, this excursion. There's just something about your your typical um, Mad Max style ghetto motherfucker thieving bastards that come in there that they fucking reek most of the time they haven't washed their clothes in you know forever they 
have dreads, um, you know, I mean, or they're unsh and they're unshaven. Um, they're basically unwashed. They, you know, a lot of them have open diseases and that kind of stuff. And it's just the whole utter lack of self-respect. And not only that, but respect of others, too. In one combined package. It nauseates me. Now, I had never, ever in my life had had ever considered how people can actually, you know, hate. Let alone, hate an entire segment and everything. Let alone, you know, what could potentially motivate somebody like Hitler to do what he did. And I have, I have found where that comes from and why. You know, and, and this is actually what I put down on a Facebook message the other day. Um, America, in my opinion, America stands for freedom, definitely, um, to express yourself, freedom of speech, freedom of <coughs> life, life, happiness, uh, life in the pursuit of happiness, right? But there comes with that the expectation that there's going to be a relative order to that system. Well, and that order in itself is kind of capital. It's common. I wouldn't say capitalistic, because capitalism we've kind of taken capitalism off the off the edge. Um, it's more commerce based. So our, our culture is based on commerce, but it's also based on, on social, the social network and everything. You know, so the ability for you to be able to go out, you know, it doesn't matter who you are, and go out to enjoy your cup of tea or your cup of coffee at a place like Starbucks and and feel calm and comfortable and collected, you know, and feel like you can actually focus on the things that you want to focus on. Whether or not that's, you know, that's doing your crossword puzzles or that's reading the news or that's doing your homework or that's doing whatever it is that you want to do. Your life shouldn't be interrupted by hanging out at a place like Starbucks and everything. By some ghetto motherfucker that comes in there and starts screaming at the top of his lungs once he walks out of a restroom after he's been in there for 40 minutes and somebody actually complains. You know, somebody actually complains just because they want to take a leak. That kind of shit's just fucking uncalled for. That's the way I look at it. You know, or... Um, and he starts screaming. Fuck you, you fucking asshole! It goes off and everything. On a guy that just basically says... You have a line of people out here waiting for you. And, and there's absolutely no respect for that line and for the fact that that person has just spent 40 minutes in there and you walk in and it smells like fucking heroin. And, and ass at the same time. You know, so whatever it is that they're fucking doing in there for 40 minutes, it leaves the bathroom smelling fucking ghetto. And sometimes, I mean, and this happens literally, you know, at least at least once a week over at Starbucks. Somebody will take an entire fucking roll of toilet paper and put it inside that toilet and everything until it clogs up. And walk out. 
So it's in my opinion, you know, this right here, these kind of people, you know, that, and I'm not talking about these two, you know, actions in themselves and everything. I'm talking about the type of person that, uh, that'll walk in, that um, walks over and grabs a, grabs a, a cup, you know, a $15 cup, stuffs it under her arm, you know, grabs a, a, a three more, puts it in her bag. And at this point, you know, she's basically looking at, uh, you know, she's going to go sell them to the next person and everything for, you know, for half the price that, uh, she, that they could go for on the shelf and everything, you know. And she's stolen them all. Um, you know, or these other people, it's just like, okay, you know, takes, uh, takes one sandwich. I mean, okay, so I understand, I understand the necessity for food and everything, but as a homeless person, I can assure you, there's plenty of avenues and options for food. Plenty. Absolutely plenty. You know, so when I see a guy that comes in that'll take a sandwich or something like that, I'll say something. You know, but it's not it's not the guy that takes one sandwich. It's the guy that walks up, takes two cups, then he takes a thing of yogurt, then he takes a sandwich. And then, when I said something to the, to the guy, I end up coming back down to the seat. He slams the cups on my computer, he throws the yogurt on the ground, and he says, Fuck you, you security fucker. And he walks away. And he gets on his uh, he gets on his bike at this point. He lights up a J and he ends up taking off. I'm not security. I'm just basically. I mean, I stopped the guy at the door as he's trying to walk out and everything. And he turns around and acts like he's going to go put it up on the shelf. And all of a sudden, he turns over to me, and uh, he decides he's going to al almost ruin my computer. Well, then there's fighting words, and this is actually the start of when I started actually wanting to kill these fuckers. You know, you fuck with my, my equipment and everything. You know, it's one thing fucking with these people, these kids, you know, that, that are working there. They're working hard, too. You know, they're, they're in between the ages of 16 to, you know, some of them are a little bit older. They're not necessarily kids. But the simple fact of the matter is, these people do a lot. They're basically providing experience. And I did the same thing, too, when I was growing up and everything. And uh, I'm not saying that you should have to have or be that person yourself. But what I am saying is, this is a part of American society. You know, if you don't respect that, get the fuck out of my country. I, I'm sorry I'm going on this again, but in any case... Um, being here in Hollywood, in Los Angeles, you already know my feelings on all this and everything. It's my opinion, and I know this is harsh, that systematically, each and every one of these ghetto motherfuckers that actually does this shit needs to be taken out and, and eradicated. Systematically eradicated. Yes, I'm talking about killed. I'm talking about gas chambers. I'm talking about whatever the fuck you want to want to think and everything. I, mean, I know that's horrible, you know. But but I'm actually trying to trying to say flat out: these people don't want to be here to begin with. They're more interested in tearing down order and tearing down society. In this, in my opinion, this is treason. And as as somebody committing treason which is the highest crime a nation has. That treason needs to be needs to be sentenced, in my opinion. So I know that's harsh, you know, but the way I look at it is I don't want these people here. 
You know, and, and in my opinion, this city that I do actually enjoy, the city I, I love, I'll go so far to say love, the city that brought me Disneyland, the city that, that brought me up, that brought me into, into this world and everything, that brought me Universal City, that brings me movies, you know, that brings me, you know, my grandparents, my parents, and all this other stuff and everything. This city is being torn down by these ghetto-ass motherfuckers who have absolutely no right to be, on, be on, in my country. Well, since we can't deport them, the way I look at it is, let's just do, let's just do ourselves and, and everybody else a favor. Just get rid of them. Systematically. Boom, boom, boom. You're gone. Now, I was actually starting to get to that point, and that's actually why it's a good thing that I'm leaving. You know, because legally, I can't do that. But I'm certainly going to advocate it. I, I don't, I don't care for these people. You know, I, I, I go into a restaurant or something like that, you know, and uh, I remember having a time when I was working at the theaters over in, um, over at AMC Theaters over in, oh, what was it? Uh, it was a Metro Center. And there was a guy that, uh, he sat in the back row and once a week he would come down He'd save up all his money and everything and change. He'd go see a movie that came out that weekend. But he'd go see it on the first, uh, first, uh, you know, first arrangement and everything. You know, now, the guy, he was homeless. He fucking stunk. But he bought a small popcorn. He bought a Coke. And he bought his, he bought his, his seat ticket and everything. He paid for it in coins. And you know what? had more than one customer come over and complain. And I and I my comment back to them was he's a paying customer. Unfortunately, yeah, it does suck that he smells and everything, but the fact is he kind of supports our economy. I mean, I didn't go into it that far and everything, but I just said that he's a paying customer. Well, these guys aren't paying customers. Not only that, but they also they also regularly intimidate and threaten and this, this to me is a form of terrorism anybody that is a paying customer not only that but they also force the increase of prices and everything because they do steal from these places on a regular basis and everything you know so not only do are they a burden on the economy you know but uh, they also completely tear away at the experience you know that we as as somebody that actually is participating in this, this economy. And, and you know what, as a homeless dude and everything, you know, no, I'm not worried about this applying to me because I know that I'm different. I know that I come in there, that I wash myself and bathe myself on a daily basis. Now, if I'm going to compare myself to that guy that's actually over in the back of the uh, theater and everything that didn't bathe himself and everything, the simple fact of the matter is there isn't a one-size-fits-all strategy. You know, now, somebody that's thieving on a regular basis and that kind of thing, at that point, that sends the red, the red lights, the warning signals. You know, but somebody that's going in and literally destroying the, the restroom on a regular basis, um, spending 30, 40 minutes in there and everything, and it fucking reeks of drugs. That's That right there is a warning signal. You know, so for me, it's just like, if you're to come up with a strategy on how to actually identify them, I just basically say it's a holistic, it's a whole package type thing. 
got one guy I'm thinking of right now that he's the one that came out screaming the other day. Well, he's come in twice since then. And he comes in and he walks over. He looks like he's going to steal something or everything, but he doesn't. But instead he walks over and, you know, he immediately lays down. And four hours later he's waking the fuck up. Not only has, and he's got people that walk by him that look at him and everything. It's just like, okay, this is starting to become a problem. You know, um, it's, and the guy's, you know, he's causing an uproar to begin with. He hasn't paid for jack shit, you know, to begin with. He hasn't even tried. Um, not only does he not try being social and not trying to actually understand people around him and everything and understand himself and how he actually relates to other people, instead he's you know got this animosity that that uh, ends up having him go off on somebody the moment that they ended up uh, walking out of the restaurant or that he walks out of the restroom after spending forty fucking minutes in there. You know this is problematic. Well, this for me is like indicative of hey, this type of person keeps up with this shit. I wouldn't be against taking them out and take them out to the fields and add a little extra fertilizer out there. Anyways. Uh, you know, comparing this to to everything else, it's just like, um, I don't know. I mean, the way I look at it is, it's it just America in itself. We're an image, an image-conscious country, and in my opinion, image matters here. You know, so sure, there's going to be some some fuck-ups every once in a while. You know, we're going to make some mistakes every once in a while too. <coughs> God knows, I've made my mistakes when it came down to the drugs, and I didn't understand my image and how how others were perceiving me and everything. And to some degree. Who knows? You know, maybe a part of what I'm going through is just realizing this is what happens when other others perceive you as dying. You know, uh, others. I don't know. You know, but what I am saying is, I've I've come to realize that I enjoy Los Angeles and I enjoy this whole area and everything, and I wouldn't mind moving back at one point um, and spending a lot more time here and everything. You know, once I had the money for it. And it comes down to, it's an economy that I would actually like to contribute to. Um, when it comes down to options at an individual homeless level and everything, you know, for me, sure. I might actually try helping out the homeless as part of my charitable cause and everything. You know, but for me, I would individually address each one. You know, I, I wouldn't be trying to seek out a one-size-fits-all situation for each one. Or for the entire group or anything like that. I'd find certain people and everything, and I'd basically say, you know what, you, I'm going to help you out. You know, I might do exactly what I'm doing right now. You know, just basically take my, you know, take a, a, an older ratty suitcase and take it to Starbucks and hang out as I'm programming my games or something like that. And uh, rather than trying to strive for the systematic elimination, become the next Hitler and everything, you know, instead I just basically start acting, you know, walking the walk that I'm talking and instead just basically start promoting, you know, what to do instead of, you know, the, the negative acts, you know, such as the taking of a life and everything. And that's actually why, among the reasons why right now is the perfect time for me to leave. 
I don't want to get to that point. I'm and I'm I'm fucking close. You know, I mean, there's a couple guys that I'm glad I didn't see them. You know, and haven't seen them out here in the park and everything. Just because if it did come down to a confrontation, I'd probably be short triggered about it. You know, I think there's something cosmic in play that's basically reinforcing the fact that that doesn't happen. Because I don't want it to happen. I really don't. You know, but there's a part of me that just basically says, Oh, just one. That's all it's going to take is make you feel good. You know, it's like a, it's like crack, right? And I feel like that could become an addiction. And I don't want to go down that road of addiction. Flat out don't want to even, even tempt it. But I love the idea of basically getting back on my feet, getting my shit together when it comes down to my finances, getting a successful title out there, you know, for a game and everything. And uh, at that point, basically coming here when I've got some expendable income and everything. Leveraging the same creative stimulation. And and the thing that wigs me out, you know, on a regular basis isn't necessarily the ghetto shit that happens at Starbucks all the time. I mean, that that's definitely icing on the cake. You know, it's the nastiness that happens on a, a semi-regular basis back here at the tent and everything. Having to deal with somebody that's actually in my in my tent position or, you know, having to deal with somebody stealing my cushions or, you know, all that kind of shit and everything on a regular basis, that's actually what's been pushing, really pushing the buttons. You know, the... The, the nasty shit that happens over at Starbucks, I mean, that's, that's just something that's, it, it's relatively, um, now that I've been exposed to it as much as I have, relatively easy to tune out. But it's also relatively easy for me to tune in to those individuals who are homeless, who appear like they are taking care of themselves and they intend on going somewhere with their life and everything. You know, homeless is a transition for them rather than a destination. <laughs> Just like it is for me. I didn't know what I was transitioning to and what I was transitioning to to and from. But now, I mean, it took me a while to figure it out. I feel like I'm actually on that path and everything. And that's actually what I'd like to do. It's just basically, now that i found my, my charity, you know, is potentially come back here one of these days a more amenable client, uh, climate. You know, it's chilly up in uh, Portland and it does have a tendency to be dreary. I'll tolerate it and everything and I'll find a way to, you know, to make new friends up there and everything, but I'm certainly going to miss this area and I'm gonna, certainly going to miss people like John and Nancy and Bennett and, you know, some other people that have, you know, that are, are regulars here. Billy is another one, you know, that uh, is more of a recent uh, friend that. You know, I'm going to miss some of these people and everything, but the relationships that I have with them is is at a distance, and it's um, what I've realized is it's not at the place that I want it to be, and I don't think it really can because of my situation. I can't invite these people back to my place, you know. Um, it's, for them, a lot of things they do, it's a one-sided street, and it's, it's all, you know, it's kind of charity-based and everything. So, I don't know. I like the idea of changing the situation and everything, just making it so we're, we're, we're on a level playing field to some degree. And uh, instead, it's just basically, it becomes a different relationship. 
something similar to what I had with my other friends before, you know, but something where they understand who I am a little bit more than the other guys that, uh, that didn't know me who I was before, you know, and what I was doing. So, in any case, it's, the timing is right, and, you know, I'm not going to have to, uh, be reporting to you from, uh, Sam Quinton or whatever the fuck it is. I don't, just wasn't liking that route and everything anyways. So, anyways, with this being the first one back, um, I got some things I wanted to talk about, about the NSA, and, uh, but I'm not going to tonight, I just want to do an update on my situation, and explain what's happened, um, I saw the movie, uh, Clock uh, with a Hole in Its, or, or a house with a clock in its walls, Jack Black, he's awesome. I think it's a uh, Kate Blanchett. She was in it too. This is actually a, a decently made movie. I enjoyed it. So I watched that the first night that I was in the hotel room. And I got like three TV dinners, and second night I just watched like one show. Had a uh, Indian TV dinner. It was actually a t- tandoori chicken. It was pretty good. And I got this Mexican um, carne asada dish. Uh, I read the label and it was a healthy choice, or it wasn't a healthy choice, but it was like one of those kind of brands and everything, so I shouldn't have gotten it, just, I gotta stay away from that kind of stuff, it's just, generally speaking, it just means, does not taste as good as the healthier, or the, uh, the more fatty stuff, I'm a big fatty fan, fatty food, not fatty women, so, Anyways, um, other than that, my cushions were out here tonight. I got some trash bags to cover them with because they're still a little bit uh, wet from the rain. It rained too, off and on, two solid nights and everything. But, nice dust dry. So, anyways, uh, stuff I was going to cover on the NSA. Eh... Basically, is the um, more or less into the into the mind programming. Something called MK Ultra. Affiliations with CIA and the differences between the CIA and the NSA and that kind of stuff. And it's uh. I don't know, I thought it was interesting. I was going to talk about it the first night that I got sick, but I just got got to the point. I just didn't want to chat about it yet. I want to have my energy about me. But one of the things that um, I did want to mention before I cut off for tonight is, like Los Angeles, in my opinion, the NSA... Um, has been demonized in media by people that don't understand it. One of those people, in in particular, is Edward, Edward Snowden, and um, a handful of other people, you know, from uh, WikiLeaks that uh, claim to 
be presenting information about what the NSA is and isn't. Now, I'm, I'm going to say this. Yes, there's some, some bad apples over there. And among the reasons I continue to do what I do is I'm taking over the organization, you know, from my own perspective and everything. So in my own ways. I've been doing this systematically for about five years now. And uh, part of it just comes down to understanding what the, what the operations of the organization is, why it exists, and, and who it's there to serve. You know, it's not there to serve, you know, the military. It's not there to serve, you know, specifically the government. It's there, there to serve the sovereign interests of the United States of America, you know, as, as I know it. So, with that, um, it's been demonized, and um, in my opinion, unrightfully so, just because of the actions of some, some people that uh, really, in my opinion, just haven't had the United States' best interest at heart. They've had their own self-serving interest at heart, which, who doesn't? You know, but when you're not acting in coordination with, your, with the, that which you're claiming to be a leader for, I think you've got a real, uh, a real fundamental problem. So, anyways, I just want to uh, to end on that note and basically say that what we're going to get at, what I'm going to get into is a program called MK Ultra, um, mind control, and a lot of things that were that were done, that are done, and uh, that uh, basically the future of the, of the of the NSA and what's going on with it and quantum computing and machine learning and all that other quantum machine learning and all that other fun stuff so anyways uh have a good night and thank you for listening